Good morning and welcome to Bloomer Baptist Church. Before we begin in the sermon, I'd like you to listen and ponder the words of this song, We Believe, a cover of the Newsboys song. This is by My House Worship Sessions, taken from YouTube with permission. time of desperation when all we know is doubt and fear there is only one foundation we believe we believe in this broken generation when all is dark you help us see there is only one salvation we believe we believe we believe in God the Father we believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. And he's given us new life. We believe in the crucifixion. We believe that he conquered hell. We believe in his resurrection. And he's coming back again. We believe.
Well, thank you for listening and maybe singing along with that song as well, whether you be at home or in the sanctuary here at Bloomer Baptist Church. We're just thankful that we have those things to believe in. Yes, and to proclaim as believers in the body, in the church of Jesus Christ. Good morning. Please open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, page 918. In the Pew Bible, it's the Black Bible is in front of you. We have a lot to talk about today, so I'm going to try and stick to my notes as much as possible. Please forgive me if I read a little bit more today, but I think you might want to get out of here before lunchtime. This morning, we continue in our study of the book of Ephesians, a book about ecclesiology, the study of the church, and soteriology, the study of salvation, but so much more. Ephesians is a wealthy book just full of spiritual and practical wisdom for our lives. We are rich, we are wealthy to be able to read such a book that God has blessed us with, to study it. It is a book which is all about building up the body of Christ. God is building us up, making us better. God is building a new you, making a new you. He is making a new us, and he is making us spiritually strong and equipping us to do his work. This happens not just independently, but together, as we have unity in the body. I'd like to remind you that now being in chapter 4, we have moved on from blessings of Christians to studying the practical responsibilities we have as being Christians. Last week we talked about God uniting us together. We have unity in the body. Today we go into unity in the body week 2. We ended with reading Ephesians chapter 4, 4 to 6, which states, There is one body, one spirit, just as you are called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Praise be to God that we have this oneness together. We move forward in scripture today with talking more specifically about how Christ equips the individual and his church, his body of believers, trusted followers. Christ gifts his church for growth. And let's read now from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7 to 16. <clears throat> we read God's word saying, Actually, please stand this morning with me. Let's stand for the reading of God's word. Let's acknowledge the great power that God has for us, if you're able to. God's word in Ephesians 4, 7 to 16 says this, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Verse 9 in parentheses here, in saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Verse 11, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, in deceitful schemes. 
We finish today's reading with verse 15 and 16 saying, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head of the body, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working together properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Thank you for following along. We won't be covering every bit of this scripture in great detail today, but we'll try and cover quite a bit. In Ephesians chapter 4, 7 to 16, Paul begins to transition from speaking of the unity of believers to now the uniqueness or diversity of believers by the gifts of the Holy Spirit of which believers have now obtained through trusting in Christ as Lord. All those who follow Christ as Lord have a unified hope and calling, but each one has a unique and diverse gift. Let me say that again. All those who follow Christ as Lord have a unified hope and calling, but each one has a unique and diverse gift. These gifts are blessings which are to be used in the church and for the glory of God. And the diverse gifts help to further unify, build up, and edify the church in their effectiveness of living out their mission and glorifying God. Let me say that again. The diverse gifts help to further unify, build up, and edify the church in their effectiveness of living out their mission and glorifying God. Here is the big idea for today. God calls us to grow and equips us to do so, so that we can use the gifts, Christ's gifts for his glory, building up an edification of his church. Again, God calls us to grow and equips us to do so, so that we can use the gifts, Christ's gifts for his glory, building up an edification of his church. The title today is that Christ gifts his church for growth. And as we see that Christ gifts his church, he gives great gifts. Gift. Number one, Christ gives gifts. Gifts to the individual. God has given his followers gifts. These gifts are not spoken of exclusively or exhaustively here in Ephesians, but are also spoke of more in Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12 to 14, and even referenced elsewhere as well. But we focus today on Ephesians 4, 7 to 16. And gifting in general, and gifting of specific people for specific roles, specific gifting will be spoken of another day. Notice that verse 7 states that each one of us has a gift, though. We have all been blessed, blessed greatly with a gift. We all have a common fellowship and unity with God, but each one of us have been blessed with a particular gift to be used for the good of the church as a whole. Commentator Francis Falk states, In his wisdom, and to make each dependent on others, God has ordained not uniformity, but an endless variety of gifts for members of the body. Francis Falks also states quite appropriately, to each of us is given different gifts and for the benefit of all. Notice next, whom or where your gift comes from. Guys, don't throw away the Hallmark card. Read it. See who sent this great gift 
you now have. Guys, you know what I'm talking about. Maybe a few ladies as well. We must read the card. We must read all of the letter. We must read it and see it and recognize the sender. We recognize the sender. We appreciate the sender. And we give back to the sender, Jesus Christ. Verse 7 says that this is a measure of Christ's gift. Given in triumph, in victory, when he ascended on high, he gave these gifts. One, as a sign of his victory, of his triumph. But two, to grow the church, to glorify God, to benefit the body. We recognize, appreciate, and give back by how we live and die as followers of Christ. How we love God and love his people. There's an illustration I was reminded of this past week as I was reading baptism materials, reviewing them from past notes. And I want to encourage you, if you have not been baptized and you're a follower of Christ Jesus as Lord, as Savior of your life, come see me. Give me a call. Shoot me an email or a text. I want to see you and talk to you about being baptized. This is a command by God, and we shouldn't forsake it. We should do it. And it's a great joy as we profess our faith to one another and to ourselves, as we tell people who we believe and trust in, and as we ask them to help us keep us accountable. And as we proclaim our profession, it also shines Christ's light for others to come to know him as well. If you have not been baptized, please see me. Talk to me. Here's the illustration, though, that I thought of as I was reading this. It's an illustration I have spoke of before, but not for a while. But some of you have heard this before. Please give me your mercies if you've heard this before. Maybe it will be a good reminder. Maybe there's somebody who has not heard this. But it's the illustration of a fan versus a follower. Pastor Kyle Eidelman writes a book titled, Not a Fan. Not a fan, and he compares our walk of faith in Christ as Lord to being fans and followers of a sports team. You see, a fan is one who may say they are a fan of the Green Bay Packers or the Milwaukee Bucks, but they only cheer on their team publicly when they are winning, when things look good. A follower, though, notice the difference. A follower, though, a follower will follow their team no matter what. If it takes 50 years for them to win a championship... They will cheer them on for 50 years from the rooftops. If it is negative 30 degrees and snowing out, they will be cheering them on at the game from the nosebleed seats. Winning or losing, they will be following that team with total loyalty and commitment. Through good times, through bad times, they will follow and make known their loyalty. Back to our point here. Christ gifts the individual, and we, being gifted by Christ, should recognize, appreciate, and give back to him by being followers. How you give back does not save you. Christ already did that and now graciously gifts his church with great gifts. But how you give back does show evidence that you have been made new in him. It shows appreciation, and it leads to others seeing his love, too. You give back by following him and his ways for eternity. Are you a fan or a follower? Do you follow his commands? Ephesians is full of commands. God's word is full of commands, full of imperatives. And these are good things for the betterment of his people, his church, his purpose and plan and will. As one pastor recently shared with me from John Piper's look at the book, 
John Piper says there are 41 imperatives. That means 41 commands. And before this, in chapters 1 to 3 of Ephesians, there is only one command. So 40 of those imperatives are in Ephesians chapter 4 to 6 that we find ourselves in now. Paul will give command after command after command to help us change our lives, growing the church. Paul says he is doing his best to walk for the gospel, and he is calling them to imitate him. Walk in Christ, walk in Christ, walk as new people. The word walk occurs eight times in this letter, 33 times in Paul's letters. It is one of Paul's favorite words for the ordinary living of Christian life. This is an imperative, a command. Walk worthily of your calling, he says. Is our life fitting of our calling, worthy of the calling? Think of daily situations. Is choice one more worthy of your calling, or choice two, or choice three? We should be always weighing these things. Walk, in this letter, does get specific, though, he says. Ephesians 2, 1 to 2 says, once walked in sins, don't anymore. Ephesians 2, 10 says, walk in the good works. Ephesians 4.17 says, no longer walk as the Gentiles. Ephesians 5.2 says, walk in love. Ephesians 5.8 says, walk as children of the light. And Ephesians 5.15 says, walk wisely. Walk wisely. This pastor says, imperatives without doctrine won't create Christians, but hypocrites. Hypocrites. Imperatives without doctrine, won't create Christians, but hypocrites. This is why Ephesians is filled with both rich doctrine and instructions for daily living, for walking by faith. We need both. We need to give back to Christ, the sender of great gifts, by abiding in him, his ways, and his commands. Listen and obey Christ's ways. Let's move forward. Notice that this gifting is said to be given by his grace. Verse 17, it says, but grace was given. You see, we did not deserve God's grace and mercy, but grace was given. It says, nonetheless, grace was given. This grace is given, that is given, is the grace in gifting his church. This is a story I heard a fellow pastor, my brother Steve Rhodes, share. And it goes like this. There was a story told about a mother who came to Napoleon on behalf of her son who was about to be executed. The mother asked the ruler to issue a pardon, but Napoleon pointed out that it was the man's second offense and justice demanded death. I don't ask for justice, the woman replied. I plead for mercy. The emperor objected, but your son doesn't deserve mercy. Sir, the mother replied, it would not be mercy if he deserved it, and mercy is all I ask. Her son was granted the pardon. You see, God gifts us mercy. He gives us mercy through Jesus. Pastor Steve Rhodes said, Stephen Anthony Rhodes, if you're in his church and always wondering his middle name, he won't tell you. Jesus took the wrath of God in our place. Jesus did this so that we can be saved. God gives us these promises in his word. Let's continue to look at them. You see, we have received grace, mercy, and a pardon, and Christ gracefully gifts the church with gifts for growth of his church too. Christ gives gifts to the individual. G-I-F-T-S. He gifts 
the church. Number two, Christ gifts his church body. Verse 11 states, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. With verse 11, Paul now moves on. Speaking now of specific ministries, of specific people of which Christ gifts and for the purpose for which these uniquely gifted people are called. Here Paul again uses one of his favorite metaphors comparing the church to the human body. Different body parts have different purposes. United in one common goal as one body, both for one Lord, but unique in the task to be accomplished. There may be unity and diversity. In fact, this is God's plan. But all God's people must be united in using their diverse gifts and talents for God's glory. Author Grant Osborne in his book on Ephesians states, verse 7 discusses the doctrine of spiritual gifts in general. And here Paul narrows this down to one particular grace gift. God supplying leaders who enable the church to grow. All gifts given by the Spirit are given for the edification of the saints, so that God may be glorified and God's chosen people may be encouraging, teaching, caring, providing for, and keeping one another accountable. God's church is always growing, every individual, every saint. Paul is not focusing so much on a list of gifts here, but what specific people are to do with their certain gifts. All saints are to be unified while yet diversified, and they're to use these unique gifts for one united purpose and will of God, to equip the saints for ministry. That's all of you. That's all of us, believers, those set apart by our faith in Christ. We must be equipped for ministry and to build up the church, the body of Christ. God's people do not have gifts for themselves, for selfish reasons, or for their own good, but for the betterment of his people his plan, and his glory. Let me say that again. God's people do not have gifts for themselves or their own good, but for the betterment of his people, his plan, his glory. This unified responsibility must be taken seriously because Jesus himself established this. First, we have listed apostles. Apostles are mostly thought of as the 12 disciples of Jesus, but had later also included Matthias as a replacement for Judas, and Paul, as he was divinely chosen by Christ to reveal the truth of the gospel, revealing the mysteries of grace to the Jews and Gentiles alike. And a few select others were chosen as well. Vincent Marvin, Marvin Vincent stated in his word studies in the New Testament on Ephesians, the distinguishing features of an apostle were a commission directly from Christ being a witness of the resurrection, special inspiration, supreme authority accrediting by miracles, unlimited commission to preach and to found churches. These apostles were to reveal Christ's actions and teachings as they formed his church. They would also receive, declare, and write God's word based upon divine inspiration they would receive from God. Apostles also had special gifts of which we read in the the New Testament but which are not mentioned right here in Scripture. Gifts such as the ability to supernaturally perform miracles and healings and to give confirmation to the authority of their name, power, and word of God which they are representing. 
And next we have prophets. This is another position which was at use by God in the New Testament times and the formation of his church. Prophets were to give the direct revelation of God to the people of whom God had messages for. They would speak the words and will of God of which would have complete consistency with the foundations and teaching of the Old and New Testament together. We now have God's direct word for us, complete in the 66 words of the Bible and in his spirit. Prophets were always 100% correct in their predictions because they spoke from God. Next, we have evangelist. I'm trying to work through these fast today. This term may more easily be thought of, as so many would think of the late great Billy Graham as an evangelist. Evangelists are specifically gifted with the responsibility of preaching the good news, the gospel, of the life-saving gift of both vertical and horizontal redemption with God and one another through Jesus Christ and his atoning sacrifice for our sins of which he paid upon the cross. Both Timothy and Philip are listed as evangelists. Paul also is an evangelist in how he serves God's people, Jews and Gentiles alike. But evangelists still exist today. An evangelist is like a traveling missionary in how they go out and proclaim the good news of new life through Jesus Christ as Messiah, Savior of the world. All people should be evangelists to a degree, but some may be more gifted than others. And finally, we have shepherds and teachers, pastors. Some may list this as two separate positions, but most believe this to speak of one position with two separate titles. Pastors and teachers are to care for God's people as shepherds care for their flock. Part of this is in caring for their spiritual needs, and part of this is done in teaching his word and ways. Pastor, teachers, they naturally work or belong together as no man is thought to be fit to pastor without also being fit to teach. All local churches should have a godly gifted and called pastor and teacher. And those gifted as evangelists to go out and proclaim the good news of salvation through faith in Jesus the Lord. But please notice there are separate positions here. And although pastors, teachers may be qualified and may do well with evangelism, we need others to also step up, be gifted, be called to do so. But then notice all of these, their purpose, all of these positions, leaders of God's church, past, present, and future, are to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. The purpose of all these positions together is to be united in building up both in size of the body and spiritual strengths, Christ's church. And as these ministry leaders equip the saints, the saints then too are gifted with their own unique, diverse gifts, and then also have responsibility to go out and care for one another as well leading others to live in obedience to God's word and ways. You see, the church is not meant to be like a football stadium filled with 90,000 people, but then only a select few play on the field. The church is meant to be a, a unified body using all their diverse and unique gifts to play the game. And praise God, we are still able to play on the field today. Spiritual work. For the Lord is required of all Christians, not reserved for leaders within the local churches alone. No matter your gifting, there is a universal point to recognize here. But first, let's read from verses 13 to 16. 
until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14 now, please follow along in your own Bibles. So that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind to doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You see, all Christians are in a state of growth, sanctification to become more like Christ. And it is great news that God is at constant work within us and his church to bring us to maturity. God is making us more like Jesus and we have specific gifting to help and assist his church and for his glory. At one time, it says we we're like infants in our understanding, but with each day, he's bringing us to maturity. And at some point, we'll be brought into full manhood in unity in our understanding. This understanding will also affect our daily living as we are no longer tossed to and fro, it says, but live in obedience to his word and ways. You see, Christians must not live and act as infants or children, but make mature decisions with honor and glory to God. Let me say that again. Christians must not live and act as infants or children. We must make mature decisions which honor and glorify God. And number three, our final point for today and starting to lead to our, our big ideas and application is this. Christ gifts his church for the purpose of God's glory in the building up and edification of the body. That's his church. You see, this is done by our love of God and one another. This is done by preaching the truth in love, verse 15. We are all to be preachers of the truth. We are all to do this out of love, in love, and through love, the love of God. We are commanded to love one another. And remember last week, we are to show humility, gentleness, patience, love, and peace to one another. Christian lives are to be characterized by the love they both have received and show or give to others through Christ. Let's move to the application. You see, it is of great importance that Christ followers find unity in him and through the great, diverse, and unique gifts of which he has blessed his body of believers with through the Holy Spirit. Through the unity in the body and our unique gifting, God receives great glory and his church grows and is edified. Have you recognized your unique gifts, which Christ has blessed you as the individual and his body, the church with? How are you specifically glorifying God and building up the church, edifying the body? Because we all have a part to play. I want to encourage you to think about this this week. Do you struggle to know how to help in the church? See me. Or listen to the ways I'm about to tell you. You see, we can talk about ways you may serve God, his people, and build the church both universally and locally here at BBC. How about finding ways to share your faith with your neighbors, such as a block party, a cookout, or serving a local community ministry or project? How about serving in vacation Bible school, Sunday school, coached by Christ, the prayer team, children's church, or nursery? We need help in all these things. How about coming to me and sharing that you would like to help plan and organize an outreach or a fellowship event, a Bible study, or a small group? How about choosing to find someone to meet with for coffee once a week 
and pray and read the Bible together, discussing God's word and daily living. How are you personally growing? God is building you up, building a new you, maturing you. And one of the measures of our maturing is our knowing and being confident of the truth. So much so that we aren't confused by every kind of false teaching, it says in verse 14. We have to know the truth for ourselves, and that means that sooner or later, we all need to start reading our Bibles and praying to God regularly. And then share our own favorite method or meaningful daily Bible readings with others. This will also help you to build up and edify the body. Recognize that God does gift you individually, but he also gifts leaders in the church to lead too. Another way you can help is through showing support. Pray for us and offer to come alongside us and serve with us. All Christians should be finding somewhere to serve in God's church, locally and universally. We all have a place to play on the playing field. God wants to use you, and we need you. Where are you serving? Where are you serving? We need greeters. We need ushers. We need weed pullers. We need flower planters. We need card writers to encourage and welcome people and more, much more. There is a place to serve for everyone, no matter age, sex, or physical or mental conditions. God needs you in his church, both universally and locally. Everyone should serve. We have unity in the body, and everyone is unique and helpful in Christ's church. And if the church is to grow and work properly, she is to recognize the need of each part of their body to do their part. Different parts have different abilities, gifting, and may look different, but they all come together to accomplish the task of living as design and purpose. Christians, as a body, must do the same. Find a way to be an active part of the body. Let's pray and close now. There's no closing song. Lord, we thank you for this message today, which you've given us. We thank you for your word, which we've read and studied in Ephesians chapter 4. And we just pray for it to continue to work on us as we leave today. May we think of how we can be part of the body and work with our diverse and unique gifts, which you have blessed us with. Amen.